0: Let us now turn to our scripture for this morning. It comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verse 16. Now, so far through this year, we have uh, listened to Jesus' high priestly prayer in John 17, and then uh, most recently, we've gone through on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaching us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Uh, For... The rest of June and July, there's other instances within the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke in which Jesus prays, and we're going to spend some time looking at each one of those. And so this is the first of many. And here in Luke chapter 5, verse 16, it's written, But he, Jesus, would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Let us go to God in prayer. Oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We all have a morning routine when we wake up. Uh, there's all, there, we're a bit of creatures of habits. We, we tend to do the same thing every day in the same way. Uh, Some of us can feel like it's a rut. Others call it a routine that keep us in line. What's your morning routine like? Sometimes mine goes a bit like this. Alarm, snooze, alarm, snooze. Kids rush in, wake me up, shoo them away, snooze. Alarm goes off and wake up. But what happens after you wake up? Where do you go first? Most in America and across the world now go to their smartphones. It's laying right there by the bed. In fact, it was the very alarm we used to wake us up. We go there to check any emails, texts, or even social media posts that we might have missed. Others, depending on your generation, may be a quick turn on of the television to catch the morning news before your commute. For you see, as humans, we have this natural tendency to want to commune with other humans, even ones we don't know, like via social media or news stations. In fact, this tendency to want to commune with other humans is is almost a stronger desire for some than to commune with God. We can even see this evidence In popular Christian writing, when we go and see popular Christian writing about the afterlife, about what heaven will be like, it's often described as to what it will look like and who else you will see there. What other humans, what other people that we know from this life will be there? But what's missing in those descriptions? God you see, heaven isn't heaven apart from God. Jesus didn't die on the cross shedding his blood and was resurrected so that we could spend eternity with each other. No, Jesus shed his blood and was resurrected to take our sins and to pay the penalty for them so that we would be made right with God, so that we would get to spend the rest of this life and all of eternity with God, standing in grace, not in fear of condemnation. Jesus came and lived and died and rose again so that we could get God, so that we could commune with him. Our relationship would be made right so that we would actually spend time, actually all of eternity, with him. Our salvation exists not so we can enjoy each other, but rather so we can enjoy our Father, our Creator, our God forever. See, Jim Jesus demonstrates throughout his life and his ministry an importance of a desire of spending time with the Father. In the Gospel of Mark, every time Jesus goes to pray, every time Jesus is recorded praying in the Gospel of Mark, he's doing so alone, in private, away from others. In Luke and Matthew, they have some areas where Jesus does pray in front of others, but he's often recorded praying alone. In Luke, we can see in in chapter 3, verse 21, Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus had also been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened. In chapter 4, verse 42. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him, and he would have kept him from leaving them. Here in 516. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. In chapter 6. Verse 12, in these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. In chapter 9, verse 18, it tells us, now it happened that he was praying alone. The disciples were with him, and he asked them, who do the crowd say that I am? And in verse 28, now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And in Matthew, there's similar instances of Jesus going to be alone to pray, to spend time with God. Now, surely all of these records exist not simply for our observation, but also for our observance. See, the godly life The life of the Christian involves both public worship and private communion with God. Jesus, in fact, spends time frequently with God in prayer. It's not just these few instances. When we look at our scripture today, the word withdraw comes from the Greek word, hapichorio. And this word means to leave space, to go back and to make room. Now, in the Greek language, they don't just have uh, past tense and present tense and future tense. They have imperfect tense of their verbs, and this is an imperfect tense, and, and when it, you get an imperfect tense of a word, it was a continuous action in the past. It wasn't a singular incident, but rather a continuous action, an imperfect tense, we draw the conclusion in english when he says desolate places so we know that it wasn't just a desolate place so it wasn't a singular time but this was a continuous action of Jesus' life and ministry was to withdraw and be alone communing with god in fact in uh, the jewish faith they would begin their mornings retreating and praying to god see this tells us what jesus did And going to God in private was a regular thing. Now for our lives, for the Christian life, it's the most neglected. We lack perseverance. Private prayer isn't a regular practice for all, but it does show up in those moments of crisis. We're reminded of our need to rely fully on God. Jesus makes it clear. God makes it clear. Scripture is clear that the first and the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart. When we neglect that private time with God, we neglect that desire to be with him, the question arises. Is that what love looks like? Does love... Look like neglect? Does the love of God look like a lack of desire of spending time with Him? See, private prayer, we may be passionate about it for a season, but often it dissipates and slowly begins to fade away. Because really, who's watching? Right? It can be quite easy to come to the conclusion that, well, I've been converted. I talk to God occasionally when I need him. I'm I'm good. Almost as if God we place in this lamp that we just have to go rub three times and he will appear. As if a genie there to answer all of our desires and wants. Ah, uh, yes, but do you love him? Do you love him? To the world, to the church, and even your pastor, we might still look like faithful Christians, even when neglecting a private prayer life, but to God, we forsake him. We can look to the parable of the lost son, also called the Parable of the prodigal son. We're told of two sons. The father has two sons. And the younger son just wishes his dad was dead so he could go ahead and get his inheritance. For you see, he wants nothing to do with his dad and only wants the things his dad has once he's gone. And then we're shown the older brother, the other son the father has. He stays around and when the younger son comes back and the father throws a party with a fattened calf, the older brother stays out in the field quite upset. And the father comes out and he says, why haven't you ever thrown me a party like this? Upset because the father is using what was his inheritance now on his younger brother who had already gotten the things from God. Saying, this isn't fair, I've been waiting around waiting till he was dead. For you see, both of the sons wanted nothing of the father, but the father's things. They didn't want to spend time with him. And they both went about it their own way, waiting for him to die so that they could have his things. What Jesus teaches us in this parable is to be careful not to want the things God offers of salvation, of mercy, of love, and yet not want the Father. For we don't have salvation without the Father. If your desire is not to spend eternity with God, then one of two things will happen. You will be quite surprised by heaven. Because it's all about God. It's all about His glory. It's all about His presence. It is overwhelming in heaven how much it is about God and being with Him. This is what the scriptures point to. The other thing that might happen is that the conversion you thought you had wasn't true. See, the gift. Jesus gives his grace, but it's the gift of access to the Father without condemnation, that we stand in grace, that our relationship is made whole and we can commune and spend time with the Father, the Lord, the Creator, just as Adam did in the garden in the beginning. The gift is to be able to spend time with God in private and to worship him publicly. John Piper has famously said that God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. Now, this satisfaction isn't a satisfaction of, well, I just went to the buffet line and I am quite full and satisfied for the time being. But a satisfaction that is continuous, that in all of our lives we are satisfied because he is with us and he draws near to us and we desire to draw near to him. See, it's when we desire Him. Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. A few weeks ago, we studied in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 8. Right before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. Jesus points out that the hypocrites claim this faith, but only pray in public so that they may be seen, not even heard what words it is, but so that others would see them and say, oh, look at that faithful person. And Jesus says they have already received their reward. And you know what that reward is? The admiration of men he says to those that go into secret and pray to the father in secret he sees you and he will reward you when Jesus calls out the hypocrites he's saying that the one that prays only when they are praying with others would not pray at all were the eyes of others not on them if you're Life happens to neglect the Father in secret. Well, you've already received your reward. But I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you this day to persevere in private prayer, in private time with God. To not neglect it, to not let it go to waste. To not turn your eyes to things and people of this world, but turn your eyes upon Jesus. That the first and last conversation you have each day is with God, your Father, your Creator. He wants to hear from you. He wants to spend this time with you. And I pray that it not just happened once, and not just for a while, but so that at the end of your life, it may be said of you in an imperfect tense, so that all will know that it was done continuously throughout your life. In Scripture, we're encouraged this way, Luke 18, verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Paul writes to the Roman church in chapter 12, verse 12. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and be constant in prayer. To the Ephesian church in chapter 6, verse 18. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To the Colossians in chapter 4, verse Two, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And to the Thessalonians, chapter 5, verse 17, pray without ceasing. Folks, in my life, as my journey with God became richer and more full, it's because my private prayer life was more consistent more constant the scripture is a great place to turn to the psalms are a wonderful place to turn to when trying to go and understand how is it exactly we talk to god when you read the psalms you see from laments to crying out to confessions to anger with god but it is all done in communion with him to reach out to him some other resources that are available tim keller writes a book on prayer uh, the Valley of Vision, which is a collection of prayers, can serve as props on how to go to God. And then there's a guide to prayer for all who seek God, published by Upper Rooms. All of these are wonderful resources. I encourage you, if you are struggling with a private prayer life, if you feel like it's slipping away, or if you have been convicted that you've been neglecting it, To seek him, seek first his kingdom, not just the things of God, but God himself. Amen. Let us pray this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have your word before us, that we can study and we can see the life and the ministry of Jesus. We thank you that we can not only see that Jesus went to desolate places, but That we too are called in likeness to him to not only be baptized, but also to spend time in prayer with you privately. Lord, help that love grow in our hearts so that our desire to be with you will be so strong. We won't neglect you. We won't forsake you but we will seek you first. In Jesus' name, amen.